So if I were to ask you, how many of you in here are married? And before you so joyfully raise up your hand, yes? Okay. I want you to raise up your hand if you have been married for over 10 years. Yes? Yes? Okay. I want you to raise up your hand if you've been married over 15 years. This is encouraging, yes? This becomes rare and rare. Raise your hand if you've been married over 20 years. Look at all these people! This is so great! Okay, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna, we're going to go stretch it, stretch it. Miss Cassie's saying bring it all the way to the end. All right, raise your hand if you've been married 25 years. Raise your hand if you've been married 30 years. Wow. Wow. Miss Tanya, wow. Wow. Wow, what a beautiful testimony. Now for those that whether you've been married a year, or whether you've been married 30 years, this question still applies to you. Would you say that, and again, just process it, don't speak it out loud, okay? Would you say that your relationship with your spouse has grown from the time that you got married until now? If all of you would say whether you've been married one month, one year, or 30 years, by raising your hands in yes, would you say that your relationship with your spouse has grown more now from whenever you first started? And Blue just said yes. Why is that? You don't, don't respond. This is just for you to process. Because in a relationship, there has to be an exchange in any relationship. One of talking, one of sharing, one of confiding, one of depending, one of understanding. Yes, all these are components of a relationship that ultimately will lead to you trusting that person. And our relationship, and there's a reason why I compared, I asked the question to those who were married. Because God's word describes us as being the bride and Jesus as being the groom. And so when we come into a relationship with him, that first day asking him to be our savior, that's not the only moment. There is a continuation of the relationship where it's talking, it's confiding, it's sharing. And not just sharing like when you wake up in the morning, do you all, let me ask you this, those of you that have been married for 30 years, do you always wake up in the morning? Is, is all your conversations with your spouse? Good morning. It's so good to see you. Yay! Yes? No. Sometimes you look at them and I'll say, oh dear God, I'm still married to you. Yes? But the transparency and the trust that you know each other so well. You've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. And yet, you're still there and you love them. God wants us to experience that kind of exchange with Him. Faith is not just a religious component that you do whenever you go to church. Well, this is my faith, I need to go to church. No, it is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about. It's not just some religious thing. It is in order for me 
to, to have, to experience the life on this earth that God has purpose for me to experience a life of purpose, a life of joy. But even in the lot, even in those moments of frustration and aggravation and heartbreak, and you just want to beat a wall, I can go to the Lord. He's going to be there. His dependability is not, and his faithfulness is not based upon mine, but he's there no matter what. I once heard a, a very uh, wise pastor, and he's uh, spoken here before, and uh, and he was talking about how if his wife was to to leave him, he said, "Well, he's just going to follow her." <laughs> she says, "I don't, I don't care wherever she goes. I'm I'm going to go." And I thought that was so beautiful, because isn't that the heart of God? When we, the bride, is like, "I'm just I'm I'm done, Lord. I just don't feel like doing anything right now with you. I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm aggravated." He said, well, I'm going to follow you anyway because I love you. And so I want to go into that in Romans 10, 17. So when we begin a relationship with God, whether it's that one-year relationship or whether it's that 30-year relationship, it matters. Because it says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in the faith that they're talking about here, it's that one-on-one, that personal exchange. Where it's not that you're knowing of someone, but you know them. You know? You know what I'm saying? And that's what God desires for us. Because he desires for us to to uh, achieve the the dreams that he has for our lives, to to walk uh, with hope and and with confidence, and not in a state that Lord, I'm just I'm tired and I'm ready to give up. He's still going to meet us in those states, okay. And so tonight, I just want to talk about how faith matters and lessons that we can learn uh, from our faith on uh, a passage of scripture. And I tell you. The Lord always speaks to me so much about this scripture. So if you're here and you've heard me preach this before, just get over it. You know, <laughs> I love you. That wasn't anyway. It just God just really, really so speaks to me in this part of the scripture. And so I know you can be encouraged tonight as well. So we're going to read First uh, Samuel uh, sixteen six through thirteen, and uh, and I'm going to kind of set it up. And what is happening here is. Uh, King Saul had directly uh, rebelled and disobeyed God. And because of his direct disobedience to God, God was removing him from the throne. And so God told Samuel, he said, listen, because of Saul's direct rebellion and disobedience towards me, I am appointing another king. I, uh, I have another king that I want you to go and anoint. And when Samuel heard about the heartbreaking situation of what Saul did and, and knew what God was was going to do, he he mourned. We said he mourned and he was heartbroken. Uh, but God visited him and said, "Okay, time for mourning is over. I want you to go to the house of Jesse." He just said the house of Jesse. He didn't say which son to anoint to be king. He just said the house of Jesse. And so he went, and at first the, he was he was concerned because he was like, well, Lord, if I go and anoint another king and King Saul finds out about it, I'm, they're going to kill me. And so, Lord, what 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 do you want my, my approach to be? And so the all, 
mighty in wisdom, God said, well, you're just going to go and you tell them that whenever you come in town that you're there to make a sacrifice. And because who you are and your role, they, there's not going to be a problem with that. And so um, so that's what he did. And so we pick up in the story where um, he entered the town. The townspeople are like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing here? Did we do something wrong? He says, no, I'm just here to make a sacrifice. And, and it was going to be a part of Jesse's family. So it wasn't in that moment, it wasn't weird. Okay, that that uh, Samuel was in town, um, and so here we pick up, and uh, Dave uh, Jesse has eight sons. Okay, and Saul, excuse me, Samuel's assignment is to anoint a new king. Doesn't know who it is yet, but Samuel's assignment is to anoint a new king, and he's no, he's going to know who it is because God is going to tell him. And so there's three, there's three characters in this scripture that I want us to take away in lessons from. One is Samuel, one is Eliab, and one is David. And let's take a look and then we'll break it down. Okay. When they entered, this is, um, Samuel and, um, and, and all of Je- and Jesse's family. When they entered, he looked, this is Samuel uh, speaking. When they entered, Samuel, he looked at Eliab and thought. He didn't say, but he looked at him and he thought. Hmm. Listen to what he says. Surely this is the Lord's, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But look at what, look what Jesus, God said. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called, Jesse, the father, called uh, Abnadab, Abnadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one. And then there was a repeated process. Je- uh, Jesse first went to the eldest of the sons and then all made him pass before Samuel. And then Samuel, and there, and there was a repeated thing. As they passed before Samuel, Samuel said, this is not the chosen one either. And Jesse made all seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and beautiful eyes. That's a great way to describe a man, right there, right there. Anyway, that's how you would describe a woman. Anyway, we're chasing a rabbit. Okay, and as a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David and from that day forward. So these are lessons about faith that you and I can apply and that can relate to. So Dixie, how on earth am I going to relate to Samuel, to Eliab, and to David? Great question. Let's dig right on in. Lessons about our faith. One with Samuel. We see Samuel, and I'm going to, let me, before we go into our points, let me just say this. You're not going to see in scripture these three words that I'm talking about, but in this, in our text for tonight in 1 Samuel 16, you will see 
where they were lived out, if that makes any sense. Um, and so with Samuel, what we can learn from his life is that he had cultivated faith. Cultivated faith. From the, from the time that Samuel was a little boy, he was, grew up in the temple, uh, with Eli as the priest, and he began to cultivate hearing the voice of God. It's not by accident that God, what God was cultivating in his life as a young man, as a little boy, was preparing him for the purpose that he would because he would someday be a leader amongst kings. And many times we can go to the Lord and we can and we can have these prayers. Because I know I've had these prayers. Lord, use me. I want to do big things. I want to do mighty things for you. Yes? Yes? You might not do it as passionate as that, you know. But it's like we can, do, we can just preach ourselves, you know, happy and just with faith. But what is important is that our faith has to begin being cultivated at some point in some place. If we ask God for those big things, think about it. When Samuel had been able to obey God to go to the house of Jesse, if he had not learned how to obey God whenever he was a young boy. All of those encounters, if you'll notice, with his obedience, was had directly to do with God being first in his life. So what do you mean God being first in his life? When it was the voice of God that he heard, he went to Eli. And God knew that he was going to go to Eli. And God knew that Eli was going to tell him, tell me everything that God told you. God allowed Samuel to be put in a position to where his faith was cultivated because he needed his faith uh, to be cultivated for God to be first place in his life so that whenever the day come that the king would rebel. He had to trust God's word above the king. He had to trust the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because if it said that he mourned Saul. He was close. He loved Saul. He valued Saul. But Saul's words could had to be, or God's word had to be above Saul's words. You and I, Unless our faith is cultivated, deeply rooted in the word of God. When God wants to use us to do those big things that are bigger than us. Can God trust us to say yes? Or would we argue? Can God trust us to walk in humility? Or will we want to do it our own way? See, we see in 1 Samuel... 16, 1 through 4, the dialogue. When, when, the, when, uh, before Samuel went to the house of Jesse, the Lord said, finally, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. Now fill your horn with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse. But Samuel asked, how do I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, um, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you which one of these sons to anoint for him. 
because Samuel had cultivated time with the Lord. Dixie, what do you mean cultivated time with the Lord? Talking with him. Learn, listening to his voice, hearing his word. He knew, you notice multiple times, he knew the voice of God. And then what did he do? If he had a concern, he shared with what it is. Lord, how am I going to do that? And then God showed him, but then Samuel had to obey. A fruit of somebody that has cultivated faith is someone that walks in humility it's somebody that is under authority, allowing authority to speak into their life, but also they're quick to obey. We see that cultivated faith in Samuel. You know, it's like we can look at the big hurrah. The big hurrah is Samuel's in town. The big hurrah is, is he's about to anoint a new king. But all the cultivated faith was whenever he was alone. There seemed to be nobody else around, but God was calling him. And what did in the, in, in the beginning, when Samuel was a little boy, he finally said, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And so when you and I are cultivating our faith, when you, we are hearing the word of God, we have to ask ourselves, is God first? You say, well, yeah, Dixon, no, 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 look, is God first? Is our faith based upon our convenience or is God first in our time, in our resources? Is he first? Do we allow ourselves to come under a covering of authority? What do you mean? See, you had Samuel and you had God. Okay? But in our world, who who is, are you under the covering of a spiritual, a spiritual covering? Who are you allowing to pastor you? Who are you allowing to help you and encourage you? You know, we say in Next Steps all the, all the time, you know, a pastor is not your Holy Spirit. That We're not your Holy Spirit. You know, but whenever it comes to um, those, what I would call the three, uh, the three biggest decisions of your life, your salvation, your career, and your spouse, you know, who are you allowing to speak into your life? You know, whenever faith is being cultivated in us, we will walk in humility, but we will also be quick to receive the instructions of the authority over us. Does that make any sense? And we will be quick to obey. Quick to obey. Samuel. Samuel was humble to receive God's instruction, even when he was wrong. And I said, Dixie, what do you mean he was wrong? When Samuel saw Eliab, Eliab, hello, Eliab, when Samuel saw him, he thought he must be the one. He's got all the qualifications of what I would think would be a good king. But God is saying, you are looking at the outer appearance and I'm looking at the heart. I'm glad that Samuel was humble enough to still be teachable. Because when someone has cultivated faith, they never get to a place to say, I have arrived. But they're still allowing themselves to be, to grow. Does that make any sense? You know, one of the things I like about one of our trustees, um, one of our elders, Brother Francis, is that 
if I have a question, a biblical question, it's like, no, I'm thinking about this. Help me process this. You know, he he's not there to say this is what it is. But if any, you can literally hear me say, so, and he talks real occasion. I love it. So hold on just a minute. Let me go get my Bible. You know, and you can hear him turning the pages, and he's there. It's like, okay, let's let's ex- let's explore the scripture. Let's learn together. Okay. Because he has cultivated faith where he is humble enough and he is unrecognizing the authority of God in his life and always wanting to grow and obey. Making any sense? All right. We will all desire for God to use us as we might ask God for big things. But my friend, we can surrender and obey God in what the moment might seem like little things then our faith will be cultivated in those moments of surrender and obedience for God to trust us with the bigger things. There are lessons in our faith that we cannot skirt around. We must take them step by step because God loves us too much. Yes? Yes? Okay, so lessons about faith is one is cultivated faith. You need to have... Have somebody to speak into your life. You need to become very familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, how do you do that? You got to get in the Word of God, and He will speak to you. You say, "Well, how do you know it's Him speaking to me?" Because when He speaks, His Word lines up with Scripture. When He speaks, listen. When He speaks, the very tone of His voice, the very approach Him, also lines up with His character. Okay. He's not going to speak to tell you every bad thing that you did in such a condemning and critical and be and belittling way. He God and just in his amazingness. I know I don't know if that's a word, but it's just in how he is. He will correct those he loves, but you can be corrected and it be so covered in love you won't even realize that you've been corrected. It's like, how did you do that, Lord? You know? Okay. And okay, okay, so we were talking about Samuel. Number two is let's focus on Eliab, the oldest brother. Conditional faith. Now again, you're not going to see in scripture these words, but it's, it's the, um, it's fruit of what their life was demonstrating. Okay. When Eliab, now remember from culture, Eliab was the oldest. So whatever favor, whatever assignment, from a cultural standpoint, it should have been his. Okay? And everybody knew who Samuel was. And so when Samuel was coming to the house, it wasn't by accident that scripture, that Jesse, let, let's go, let's go back to it. Well, because Jesse was bringing the brothers, who did he bring first to pass in front of Samuel? Eliab. Because culturally, Eliab was the one that should have received the assignment. And so imagine when you have been, you have grown up or you have worked or, or, and, and all of a sudden it's like your time has come and it is passed by you. Now, how do you think you're going to feel? See, Eliab had conditional faith. So, well, Dixie, how do you know that? Because we see his attitude. We see his attitude in 1 Samuel 17, 28 through 29. They had been on the battlefield. 
David had, uh, Jesse had sent his son to go and uh, give the uh, captains of the older brothers some food and just to get a report. And, and David was hearing about, uh, uh, just the battle that they had had with Goliath, and he was hearing the report that whoever would defeat him, what would be the reward? And David was confident. He was like, the audacity of this Philistine, uh, uh, you know, dare trying to come against God's people. Who do you, th- who does he think he is? Okay. And so as he's, the, the scripture says that Eliab Here's this dialogue. Here's this, this conversation that David is having with other soldiers. And listen to the brother, the oldest brother's response. He's saying, but when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway? He demanded. This is Eliab's attitude and response. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and dishonesty. You just want to see the battle. And then David responded, what have I done now? I was only asking a question. For David to respond, what have I done now? There was obviously evidence of serious contention there. Okay? But for, for Eliab to respond that way as an older brother to the younger brother knowing that he was being sent there just to bring some some food, you would think that he would be excited. They've been in a battle. Are oh, you going to bring us some food? Yes, you're going to give we're going to give a report. Oh, my family's here. I'm so glad my family is here. What did he do? He brought shade to him and shamed him in front of everybody. See, he Eliab was not chosen. What he thought was rightfully his by custom and culture, he wasn't the one visited by Samuel with the specific assignment. Many times you and I, if that promotion was passed over us, if that recognition was passed over us, if that respect that we felt was due to us was passed over us, we can say, where's mine? I love God. I believe in him. Where is he? I see him moving in my neighbor's life. That's great. Love you. But I don't see him moving in mine. Where's mine? We have to be careful, my friends, that we do not fall into this category of conditional faith. I'm going to love God and serve God when things are good. I'm going to love God and serve God when I see my prayers answered. Making any sense? Because what the enemy would want us to do is fall into a sinful trap of doubt that will lead us to a place of comparison, inferiority, offense, and then we spiral down and we begin to turn towards bitterness and then slander. And we see it in the, in the attitude of Eliab. Conditional faith will bring the attitude of Eliab in your life. It will. We see in James 1, 6-8, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose... For let not, excuse me, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We need to daily ask the Holy Spirit to examine our heart, choose to surrender our will for his will. Choose, my friends, not to have the attitude of Eliab, a critical spirit, a cutting, slanderous spirit, and finding fault in everything and everyone. This is why whenever we go back to what type of faith, do you have that cultivated faith? Because if you have that cultivated faith, it will expose that conditional faith. Because Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. I would even encourage you to read Psalm 38 where it says, where where it talks about how um, your thoughts outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me. It says, oh Lord, how precious I am to you. The only way for us to break um, that doubt wanting to creep into our lives and com- of comparison are the questions is where is mine? This promotion was passed over me. I didn't receive that respect that was due me. Is that if we know the one that created the heavens and the earth, the one that gives assignments, the same one that gave an assignment to David was the same one that created Eliab. I'm wondering, would the battlefield of the Philistines looked a little bit differently if Eliab had some cultivated faith versus conditional faith? Because see, they serve the same God. But if we allow that offense, that bitterness, that slander, the very purpose and the plans that God has for us, you miss that test. But you'll end up coming full circle around and you're going to repeat it again Sunday. Does that make any sense? And so one, you have to ask yourselves, Lord, do I have the cultivated faith of Samuel? Lord, do I have the conditional faith of Eliab? Or Lord, do I have the celebrated faith of David? The celebrated faith of David. In 1 Samuel 16, 12-13, it says, So he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. In the midst of his brothers. Let's pause for a moment. Even when Samuel was coming to town, and they knew Samuel was in town, in that moment, if they valued David, they would have immediately ran and got him. But God is going to make sure that none of his sons are overlooked. So you might have maybe received or been around the attitude of some Eliabs. This is me, this is mine. And you feel like maybe you've been, oh, just go and do tend to the sheep. Yes? Do a job that's just less. You ever have somebody and they're undercutting you without without even mentioning it? But remember, When you have celebrated faith, what is celebrated faith? It's somebody that is praising God wherever they are. David was known for for playing that harp 
and, and celebrating and being a worshiper wherever he was, wherever he was. And so it says, then Samuel took the horn of all and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The horn is often a symbol of strength, power, honor, and dominion. And we look in Luke 1, 69, and it says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. This is talking about Jesus. And so you think about the very one that was uh, out in the field tending the sheep, which is not a, a pleasant experience. You know, sheep aren't very smart and they stink. And it's like you're literally doing the same thing over and over. It's not an adventurous job, you know. But yet he was the one that had an assignment. He was the one that God had called. Because what is it? No matter where we are, even if we don't feel like we're being recognized by man or being respected or honored, the number one thing that God is looking for, it is not your gifts. Yes, it's not. It's not your personality. It's not. It's not your, your even your leadership ability. It's not. The very thing that God is looking for is your heart. Because he knows if he, if there's somebody that will celebrate and worship me with their life. They believe in me. I can trust them. Yes? And so my friends, don't, whenever you're, when you're worshiping uh, and you're having a moment with the Lord in prayer and you're having a moment with the Lord and singing to Him, what you're doing is you're going from being cultivated to celebrated. And God is going to line you up for bigger things. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. You know, many times we, you know, I don't know your family story, I don't know your family history, but lots of times we can look around just as David's brothers did and says, oh, you, Jesse, uh, David's in the field. You know, we could look at our, our lineage and say, mm, no one in my family has ever done that. Mm, nobody in my family's, mm, no, you don't know my story. You don't know my history. Yes. And we could look around and say, what good is going to come from this? But David and Jesus. So look, whenever you began in your time with the Lord and worshiping Him, something is stirring and something is happening for what God has planned for your future. Okay? And as we, I'm going to close with this. So how did David celebrate his faith? First Samuel seventeen forty five through forty eight. I have read this so many times at this very stage because I absolutely love it. As David was facing Goliath on the battlefield, scripture is very clear 
And it says his stature. It says how big his weapons are. But David's response, David's charge, David's celebration of faith shattered any giant that he would face. And so I encourage you, as you're going from cultivated faith, if you find conditional faith of doubt, wanting to, to attach itself to you from a place of, of, of bitterness, from a place of rejection or comparison, I encourage you, get into a place of worship with the Lord and begin to celebrate who God is and who God is in you. And then this can be a resounding cry whenever you are faced with the enemy. When David was faced with the Goliath, this is what he said. And he just didn't say it with a small whisper, but he said it with a resounding shout. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bones of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. That is the cry of celebrated faith. Everything that he was saying to the enemy is what the Lord is going to do on his behalf. I come to you in the name of the Lord. So whenever the enemy is wanting to bring doubt, fear, and discouragement, my friends, have you cultivated your time in the word of God with faith? Have you been quick to hear his voice and listen? Are you allowing people to speak into your life of authority? Okay? Cultivate and celebrate as we worship the Lord. Because God desires for us all to come out like David did and do bigger and better things than we could have ever imagined. Amen? All right. Could you stand to your feet? Let's go to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you right now that you desire to have a relationship with us. He desires for you to know him. He desires for us to have an exchange of speaking to him. And if you say, Dixie, I have no idea what that looks like. Having a relationship with God? God speaking to me? God helping me? I don't know what that looks like. But I believe it and I want it. All of us, all of us need a Savior. And Jesus is the only one that can ever save us. Only one. And so if you're in here today, if you're watching, you say, Dixie, I need Jesus. I need Him in my life. I cannot live this world go in the direction that I've been going. 
If that's you, I just want you to come into it. You can bow your head and close your eyes just so that you can focus on what the Lord is about to do in your heart. But the Word says that if we believe with our heart and we confess Him, we shall be saved. So if that's you, say, Dixie, I need Jesus. Let's go to the Lord right now. Saying, Lord, here I am. I cannot do this on my own. I need you to save me. I believe that you are the one and only Savior. Jesus, I ask that you to forgive me of my sin. I receive your salvation for my life. Help me, Jesus, to cultivate my faith with you and to celebrate my new life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision today or online, guys, fill out a connection card. I want to give you a Bible and we want to walk with you but you don't do it alone. Come on, how many of you ready for that cultivated faith? How many ready for that celebrated faith? He's with you wherever you are. Just call on Him and ask Him. Because faith matters. Father, I thank you for every person in here, Lord God. Father, may they hear your voice like Samuel and faith be cultivated. Lord, I ask that fear and doubt would be broken off of them. And Father, may faith arise. And may they be excited and have joy of what you're doing. You're going to continue to do in their life and their family's life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Guys, we love you. We care for you. If there's anything that you need, we're here for you. You are dismissed. God bless.